All right, well, we've got two, two main verses of Scripture we're going to be looking at this morning. So let's go ahead then and take our Bibles, and we'll turn number one to 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1. Folks, we, we kind of have gotten this, well, again, there's this confusion that seems, the see, goodness, I can't even speak this morning, that keeps coming up when it comes to who we're supposed to be as Christians. You know, I, I had somebody ask me once, um, they said, can I be a Christian, or excuse me, I'm trying to remember how they put it. They said, can a person still live a Christian life without being a Christian? I thought that was kind of an odd question, you know. And, and I realized that the, the more I thought about it, I figured out why it was they would ask me that. Because they see Christians as a group of people that do good things. That they want to see Christians as people that just try to, uh, try to do all the things that, that would be honorable, right? They, they want God's people to be the people that do things that, that sound good and, and things like that. And, and you know, while, while those things are noble, that's really not what Christianity is. And by the way, as a Christian, your goal is to not be good. All right. I mean, the salvation comes from when I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. And then because I'm a Christian, then good things just kind of spill out of me, right? It's because of who I am. And so while maybe that idea comes from what some Christian efforts have been lately. And believe me, I'm not preaching against these things. I'm just trying to, trying to make a correlation. And, you know, I know there are some people that they would do things because they're good, and they, they consider Christians charitable. For example, let's say you have this, this missions trip. You have all these, these people that get together and they say, Hey, we're going to go to Mexico and we're going to build a school. That, that is a good thing. You know, that is, that is a great thing. Those are things that a lot of times Christians do. Now, we don't do those things to make us Christians. We do those things because we're Christians. And furthermore, even those things that we do really... That's, that's not what we're called to do. There are lots of people that can build a school. There, there are lots of people that can go and say, for example, d dig a well for someone. There's lots of people that can do that. Only us as God's people have the word of God. Well, we are the only ones that can take and share the gospel message. Now, believe me, there's nothing wrong with people that, uh, with going and doing those extra things that, that are charitable. Those are great things. Nothing wrong with it. But we just have to remember, we are the only ones that can do this part. This is our special part. By the way, this is what God told us to do. He said in Matthew 28, 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Go and tell them about me. You know, the lost construction workers, they're not going to tell the world about the gospel. You know, the, the well diggers, they're not going to be telling the world about the gospel. Only Christians can do that. And so while, yeah, we can do those things and maybe, hey, that would open a door to tell the gospel, that's great. Anyhow, I said all that to say this. What is our goal as Christians? Never think that our goal, once you're saved, is to be good. Your goal is to be godly. There's a difference. Folks, goodliness is not our goal. Godliness is our goal. And when we see that as our goal, it causes me to look at myself and say, Oh, man, the, the wretched man that I am, that Paul said. When he looked at himself, he, he, he didn't see someone that was good. He saw someone that was, that was awful. And, and we've, we've gotten things so twisted today. We've got people that want to come to church because church makes me feel good. 
You know, I, I want to come to church because I need someone to tell me that they love me. I'm going to come to church because I need someone to tell me that I am special. Well, folks, God's men in God's word, they said, I am unworthy. I am a wretched man. I am a sinner. The Apostle Paul said, I am the chiefest of sinners. We're going to see here in just a little bit a man that when he had an encounter with, uh, with, with the presence of God, and we'll talk about that because no man's physically seen God, but he had an encounter, and the Bible says he fell upon his face and said, I am unworthy. It's like, I don't even deserve to be here. Because when I look at a holy God, and then I look at me, boy, I'm, like that one song says, I'm a worm. I am, I am nothing. And folks, that's kind of what we miss. We, 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 we equate being a Christian with being good. But I, what we're looking to be is not good. What we are looking to be is to be like Him who is holy. And folks, that's the word we're going to talk about today, is holiness. So what, what is holiness? What does it mean to, to be holy? How do you even try to be holy? Well, we're going to see a few scriptures today that deal with this thing of holiness, uh, what, what it is, what is defined, and how I, can, how I can be holy. Well, folks, we're in 1 Peter chapter number 1. We're going to start reading in verse number 15. You know, actually, let's back up. We're going to start in verse number 13. I do that a lot. I like to back up and, and get, get a whole good picture. Let's look at verse number 13. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 15, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which is holy... Excuse me, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Which, by the way, he says, as it is written, if you go back to Leviticus, you see that in there a bunch of times. That God's holy, you be holy. You be holy because your Father is holy. Let's stop and ask God to help us understand this thing of holiness. Lord, we do come to you today in prayer, and we ask that you would help us understand Clearly, help us to have good understanding of what it means to be holy, what it means to be different. Lord, speak to us, and I ask that you would give us this clarity of thought that we know that only you can give. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we ask. Amen. So here we are in 1 Peter chapter number 1. We just saw that there's this basic command. God never commanded, go and do good things. I mean, well, of course, there is good things that he wants us to do. But in this verse, we're not seeing a command to go and, and be, be charitable, go and be happy, go and just be a pleasant person. He says, no, be ye holy, for I am holy. And then he stops. And kind of prefacing that, he gives us a few things about what it means to be a holy person. So the first thing that we have to consider is this. When he says, be ye holy, there's the command. Okay, why, Lord? How do I do it? Because I am holy. So that's what we're going to talk about first. We're going to talk about how the way I figure out how to be holy is how I figure out the way that, that God is holy. I need to look at God and see what God is. Then I can know who I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be. You know, I was listening to a preacher not long ago. And he, and he brought out this, this point I had, I guess I'd never really considered. So, so this next thought is not original, but it's still in the Word of God. He pointed out this. He said, you know, when God wants to emphasize something, there's usually a few ways that you do it. And we, we do this in the language as well. If I am typing, 
and I have a point that I want to, boom, I just want it to point out. I can put it in quotation marks, right? I can, I can underline it. I can, I can put it in bold, right? These are things that are going to jump out. One of the ways that we find that in the Bible is by repetition. It is a rule in English speech that typically you don't say anything more than three times because then it just comes redundant. But the most you would ever say it is three times. So here in the Bible, if God is going to say something, you'll see this, this phrase. You'll say, verily I say unto thee, or verily, verily I say unto thee. In all of God's word, and this, this was amazing when it was pointed out to me, there is only one place that an attribute of God, so a definition, there's only one place where something was mentioned three times in a row about who God is. I want to show that to you. And we've seen this verse before. I, I've, I've used this in my preaching before. If we're going to go back to the book of Isaiah, and folks, we're going to look at chapter number 6. Isaiah chapter number 6. I want to show you this one point when an attribute of God was mentioned three times in a row, the only place you'll ever find it. Isaiah chapter number 6. Verse number 1, the Bible says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, so this is here the prophet Isaiah. He's, he's getting something from the Lord. He's allowed to see this. I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain He covered His face. With twain He covered His feet. And with twain He did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved, and the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Folks, here you just saw God was called something three times in a row. You'll not see anywhere in the Bible that the Bible says God is love, love, love. You know, in, in a row like that. You'll never see anywhere in the Bible that God is described as grace, grace, grace. God is described in this scripture the only time it's mentioned three in a row. Holy, holy, holy. And when he sees that, when, when Isaiah is getting this vision, he says, woe is me. He looks up at God because the Bible says the very matter of the temple began to shake. And he had to fall on his face and he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm not even worthy to be here. And folks, we see as you continue this story, the Bible says that his lips were anointed with fire and things like that. But folks, we understand in the presence of a holy God, we see how small and insignificant and how sinful we are. And I'm going to tell you something. This, this little worm down here like me, I would never be able to do enough deeds, enough good things to be able to impress a holy God. I, I can't do it. I am nothing in God's presence. And what I am going to strive to be is not to be as, you know, as this wretched man. I, I am not going to strive to come out here and make other people happy and do other things that are good. I am going to try to be like he is. I am going to try to do the things that he does. I am going to try to measure myself against God. That's why the Bible says I'm supposed to be holy because he is holy. So how do I do that? God, what, what, what is this holiness that you are? 
Well, folks, here's the very first thing we're going to see with this. If, if we were to ever get a definition of holy, one of the best ones I've ever heard is this. It means to be set apart. Holy means to be different. Holy means to be completely separated from, from the norm, from the normal. And here's, here's why what we're going to see. You have God, who is perfect. He's upright. He's all-powerful. He is self-contained. God just simply, He is. We don't understand that. We won't until we see Him. But you see, when we think about this, when, when uh, Moses, when he went to the Israelites and he said, look, hey, I'm here, to, I'm here to liberate you. I'm here to set you free. He said, well, they're going to ask you, who is this sent you? He says, Moses, you're going to tell them, I am sent thee. And folks, that's what God is. He is the great I am. He just is. So you have God and then you have everything else. You have perfection and you have everything else. You have glory, you have just, you have righteousness, and you have everything else. And folks, I have to remember, I am kind of part of the everything else. Since I still have the skin, I am still here in this world, I still have sometimes the, the evil thoughts. I mean, yeah, sin is sometimes still something that looks pretty good. I still have a part of this everything else. So when I'm over here, I am looking at God. God is different than this world. He is set apart from this world. So I need to be looking at Him as He is. It is wrong for me to try to drag God over here to the everything else. We need to try to drag the everything else over here to God. Okay, So He is the one that is holy. So here's some neat things we see. How do I define holiness? Just look at God and figure out everything that He is. Look at what the Bible says about God. He is just. He is righteous. He is glorious. He's powerful. He's all-knowing. He is omniscient. Everything He does is right. He is perfect. How is holiness described? Holiness is God. That is what holiness is. It means to be like God. And here's the thing. God is the one, when we look at this scripture, God is the one that defines it. And then the angels. I love this. Angels are the ones that declare it. I mean, the Bible says the seraphims are up above them. And, and this is something that I've never seen, but I look forward to the day that, that God willing we can. You've got six wings. The Bible says with two wings they have to cover their face. They don't even feel worthy enough to show their face before the glory of God. They cover their face with two wings. They, they cover their feet. You know, there's something about the feet. We see feet many times in the Bible. They, they don't even feel worthy to show their feet. Folks, remember when, when Moses was there at the burning bush? Hey, Moses, you can go ahead and take off your shoes. This is holy ground. In the presence of holiness, there's something going on with the feet. So the angels, they, they cover their face, they cover their feet. And with, the Bible says with the other two that they fly. And they say one to another, holy, holy, holy. Just ascribing God who He is. So what is holiness? It's God. He is the very essence of what holiness is. So we see that God defines it. The angels, they declare it. But the world, they are absolutely the opposite of it. They are against it. Because when I see God, I see righteousness. I see beauty. I see perfection. Now, in, in your mind, with what you know of the world, this is where we live. If you had to describe the world... Compared to God, how would you describe the world? 
Now, I can go out here and I can see the physical stuff. I can see the mountains with the snow on. I can say, wow, man, God's awesome. Well, yeah, that's still his creation. But I'm talking about the, the parts of the world that I guess we're associated with. When I see the world as it relates to the spiritual things, boy, the world's ugly. The world's got sin in it. I, I have seen people's lives ruined because of sin. It is completely opposite of what God is. I see anger. I see hatred. We see murders. We see, well, we see people that are always fighting. We see homes that are broken apart. These are things opposite of what God is. So we would say this world, this is an unholy world. Because it is completely opposite of what God is. So there is God, the very essence of holiness, and then there is the things of this world that we look at, that we were born into, that we were born with that sin nature, and we have to deal with that. Folks, we can't take the world and, and try to just, just dress it up. I've often said this. If you take the world, you take someone in the world, let's say you just take a regular man, and you tell this man who's never been saved, you tell this man, hey, listen, I want you to start... Uh, why don't you start giving to charity? Okay, yeah, yeah, I can do this. All right, now listen, you've, you've, yeah, man, man, you've been a drunkard for a long time. I want you to go to, to AA. Okay, yeah, yeah, I can, I can do that. Now, you've got to stop lying, too. You need to dress up the way you talk. Okay, yeah, I can do that. You know what you're doing with that guy? You are taking a rotten, falling-apart fence and putting a fresh coat of paint on it. You're not doing anything to it. I mean, you're just kind of dressing it up a little bit. Why? Because this part of the world is, is at its very core unholy. The only thing about me that I have that's even close to being holy is the fact that Jesus Christ himself lives within me. It's him, not me. And then I have to try to measure up to who he is. So here's the thing about, about the world. Folks, the world, they want to take the things of God and they want them to be like the world. If you'll notice this, notice some things almost about about Christianity, maybe the way it's kind of going today. And this is, this is where Christians mess up. This is where some people, they want to take the things of God and make it look like the world. They want to take the things of God and make it sound like the world. They want to take the things of God and make it entertaining like the world. You know, they, they, want, to, they want to take the things of God and have it participate in the things of the world. Folks, that's not the way Christianity works, okay? I don't want to take God and, and bring him over here to where I am. I believe as a Christian, people ought to look at us and say, wow, that guy reminds me of God. God should not remind you of the world. Folks, I believe when you go into a church, it ought to look like a church. When you go into a church and there are people there worshiping God, it ought to sound like a church. When you're talking to a man of God, that man of God ought to present himself as a man of God. He shouldn't look like every other person that's in the world. And I'm not, I'm not preaching on dress. I'm preaching on holiness. I'm preaching about being different. Folks, when, when someone has never been into a house of God before, they ought to be able to walk into that place and say, man, there's something going on here. There's something I'm not used to. When they talk to someone that's a Christian, they ought to say, there's, there's something funny about that guy. He's, he's not like every other man that I've ever talked to. He, he does things different. He's kind of strange. What is it? Why, why is he different? That ought to be our holiness. You know, if, if someone comes to me and I have the Word of God and I, have, and I have Jesus and I have the Holy Spirit living within me and I seem just exactly like everyone else they've ever met, then there's a problem. 
See, I, I, ought not, I, ought, I ought not be camouflaged in this world. The Bible says that ye are the light of the world. You're supposed to stick out somewhere. The Bible says that ye are the salt of the world as Christians. Salt is pretty. It stands out. You know, I was doing this thing once and it, um, where I was, I was trying to do this health, health thing where I was doing a fast for a little bit. And, you know, you could still drink coffee. And, uh, and one of the things that I read is that w- when you're doing this, you need to have salt. If you don't have salt, you will get headaches, which is true. So, so the second time I tried it, I said I need, to, I need to have some salt. So I had a cup of coffee, and, I said, and my wife, she asked me, she said, you want some salt in here? And uh, I said, well, yeah, that, that, that'd be good, because salt helps water get, get to your head and through your body anyhow. Uh, so she says, how much you want? I said, I don't know, just a little bit, maybe like half a teaspoon or something. And she kind of she, she looked at me, and she says, are you sure? <laughs> I said, well, yeah, I mean, that's not that much. I need enough to do some difference, you know. And if you, those of you that know me, I like my coffee black. And let me tell you what, I can, I can tell there's some salt in it. That was, that wasn't, wasn't that good. Why? Because salt stands out, don't it? Folks, we're different. We're not like the world. And folks, I believe that when you walk into a church, you know, people talk about going into a church. Oh, that church is just too, it's too churchy. Well, what? How do you expect it to be? Do you expect to be able to go into church and it seem like some kind of just, just coliseum where they have monster truck rallies? I mean, well, what do you expect? This is a place where we come to meet with God Almighty. This is His place. Folks, this is not ours. It's His. When we go into the house of God, it ought to seem like the house of God. The music that we play ought to sound like God's music. The things that we talk about ought to be things about God. We don't come here as a social club to talk about social issues. And I realize you'll hear me talk about these, maybe some things with politics once in a while. But that would only be as an example. We meet together to talk about Him. We meet together to worship Him. And this is God's place. This is God's house. And I want to tell you, we are going to strive as a church to do the very best we can to be different. And if the world doesn't like it, probably means we got something right. I mean, you got to think, they didn't like Jesus. He, he was perfect. They didn't like Him. So folks, we, we, the first thing we saw is this. We saw that God Himself, He is the one that is holy. What is, what is holiness? Just look at God, and you'll see it. Well, what does it mean to to be holy? It means we're going to strive to be like God. So, folks, over in that other scripture where we were, this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. I just wanted to show you how that God himself, he is what holiness is. He is the set-apart one. He is the different one. He is the one that we look to. He's the very essence of holiness. God defines it. The angels ascribe it, and the world is opposed to it. So then we saw back over here in Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read these verses to you again. Hey, the Bible's the one that teaches us, not me. It's the Lord's message. Verse number 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. We're going to talk about that. Be sober and hope to the end. For the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. So this is the command we're going to talk about for the rest of our time this morning. Where He says, be ye holy. Do it. It's a command. Be holy. So if we could put that kind of in our terms, what does that mean? 
As God is different, so should I be different. As God is set apart, so should I be set apart. The world is different from God, so should the world be different from me. Although I guess maybe I should say that I should be different from the world. That would probably be more accurate. You know, because God is the one that's right. They're the, the rest of the world, the loss, what Satan has done to it. This is the one that's messed up. So I should be set apart to be like God. So how are some ways I can do this? Well, he gives us a list. Verse number 13, 14, and 15, he gives us some ways that we can be different. The first thing he says is to gird up the loins of your mind. Verse number 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. Folks, we need to learn to set our mind on Christ. Think about things the way that Christ thinks about them. You know, here's one of the things that happened to me when I got saved. When I trusted Christ as my Savior, and, and the more I've studied, the more I've learned about Him, the more I realize there's a lot of things I am no longer privileged to my own opinion about. My opinion really is just kind of, it went out the window. Where do I go to figure out what I'm supposed to think? I go to the Bible. I am not supposed to look at what the world is saying about an issue. I am supposed to go to my Bible and say, hmm, what does my Bible say about this issue? See, there's the thing, if, if I go to the world and I come over here kind of to where my natural roots were, so to speak, and I just listen to everything else that's going on, because they are opposite of God, they are going to give me an opinion that is opposite of God. That means I can't listen to philosophy from, from the world that knows nothing of God. So if I have to say, God, how do you feel, how do you feel about, about lying? Okay, well, the world, they would probably say things like, oh, if it doesn't hurt anybody, it's okay. You know, if it's just a little white lie, it's okay. Well, the Bible says, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Right? Where's my opinion going to come from? From the Bible. You know, I heard one the other day, and this just, this just blew my mind. This is where our world is today. I heard this debate, and this is an audio clip. I heard it from the horse's mouth through the computer. Okay? There was this guy, he was being interviewed at one of our college campuses, and they were talking about abortion and if they thought it was okay and stuff. And you already know we are against that. God's word is against that. But this guy's standard for who and who could not be killed, notice, killed, was whether or not they were able to speak for themselves. That, that was his standard. That's the philosophy that is being pumped in some of our, our, our schools now. He was being interviewed and he said, yeah, well, you know, if, if really, really a child is, is lucid or able to understand, that's going to be the standard. I mean, you think a child in a womb, it's not able to speak for itself. We don't know what it wants. You know, it's, that, that's why we can't say that it's an actual life. It's not a viable human. Then the interviewer said, well, what about a two-year-old? And then he said, yeah, well, I mean, a two-year-old, it's, it's, you know, we have no idea what it's able to understand. In his mind, it would have been okay to take a child's life as long as it's not able to understand things. I'm thinking, okay, you know, what, and the interviewer went on, he says, what about a person that's, you know, under some kind of sedation during surgery, you know? And see, on that same mindset, when you have somebody that is, that is later on in life, maybe they have lost the power of their mind, they've lost the power of speech, is it okay just to take their life? Well, no. Folks, we believe that our opinion comes from God's Word, that life is a gift from God. God is the giver of life. Life is life, regardless of quality, 
regardless of uh, what, what kind of... Um, what, what kind of future it's going to have or what's going to happen later on. Folks, life is life is life, period, because all life is a gift from God. My opinion is not going to come from what the world says because the world is different than God. My opinion is going to come from what God's Word says. I am going to be separate. I am going to be different. I am going to think in a way that is holy. I am going to think as God would think. Folks, we need to do what it says in verse number 13. Gird up the loins of your mind. If you've never heard that term, um, years ago, before they had, you know, Levi's, what the men had to do when they were going into battle, they would have to take the robe that was around their legs and they would have to hack, you know, pull those things up so that when they took off running, they would be agile. They wouldn't get tripped up around the clothes that were around their feet. Okay, You can't run if there's things around your feet. So they would pick that up and they would, they would roll it up real high to get up above their knees. And then, boy, now they're able to get into an athletic stance. They can run. They can fight. That's what we need to do with our mind. We need to get rid of the stuff that's up in here that would cause us to think different than God thinks. What's some stuff in our head that would cause us to have a different opinion? Do I really care about what CNN says? Right? I mean, not that you know, not, not the, all the stuff they're going to put out is false. Well, I don't know, maybe. But, but, but see, the point is, I need to make sure my guards are up, is kind of the point. If I hear some kind of philosophy, some kind of thought that's coming my way, my first thought is not going to be, hmm, you know, maybe that's true. My first thought is going to be, what does my Bible say? How am I supposed to think in a way that God thinks? How, how, am, how am I going to protect my mind? And I'm going to do that by this. I'm going to keep my mind sober. I'm not going to let it be controlled by anything other than God. And hope to the end, verse number 13. I'm going to hope to the end. Folks, because we know that, yeah, while our opinions are probably going to be different than the rest of the world, by the way, they should be, if our opinions are going to be different, they're just going to be different for a little while. Because in the end, when we are here with the Lord, our opinions will finally then be mainstream, right? That's our hope. That's what we're looking forward to. That is our blessed hope. We look forward to that day. So I'm focusing to the end. Folks, right now, Christ Christianity is not, you know, it's not necessarily the element of this world. But this guy, he's going to wait to the end. So watch this. I'm also going to, I'm going to gird up my mind. I'm going to focus on the end. And then I'm also going to live differently. Oh, so now, now it's not just my mind. Now it's talking about the things that I do. Watch verse number 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. Not fashioning yourselves according to your former lusts in your ignorance. Now, this is what it means. Former lusts. As a Christian, you are now on God's side. You, you now are striving to be like Him. You want to be like the Lord. You want to be holy. So why would I now do the things that I used to do? You see, my former lusts, the things I used to want, the places I want to go. As a Christian, I knew to, as it says in verse number 14, be obedient and not fashion myself according to that former lust. I need to look, take a long, hard look at myself and I just need to say, what am I going to do today? What is, what is this action? If you're planning out your day and you're saying, you know, I think I'm going to do this, this, and this. And if I look at it and I say, oh, you know, this, 
this is what I used to do before I was saved, before I trusted Christ. That's, that's a former lust. Hmm. Maybe I should change that. You know, maybe when I was a businessman, I used to be, I used to be a liar. Man, I would lie about every little thing I could just to be able to make a good deal. As long as it got me a few extra dollars in my pocket. You know what? We're not going to fashion ourselves that way. I'm going to fashion myself in holiness, and I'm going to be honest even if it cost me that deal. You see, this is the new lust. I'm going to form myself in the way that God would have me to, not my old way. Folks, this is talking about our walk. Well, how do we act? When the world sees us, do they see us doing things that are different? Do they see us entertaining ourselves in ways that are different than them? Do they see us talking in ways that are different, dressing in ways that are different, walking in ways that are different? And I'm not saying we're supposed to you know, walk around as, as holier than thou, but I do think the world ought to see that we are different. I mean, there ought to be just something about us that just doesn't fit in. You know why? Because this isn't my home. I'm not supposed to fit in here. You know, I'd be like a, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court, right? I would be different. I would stick out. Folks, that's the way God wants us to be. He wants to be like Him. I am going to change my mind the way I think. I'm going to change what I hope on. And I am going to live differently, not according to my former lusts. And I am going to see that I need to be holy because He is holy. And in conclusion, this is the way we're going to wrap it up. Folks, one of the ways that you need to be holy is simply as a person in your personal life. What is it that you, maybe you do every day, day to day? You know, the people you talk to, the people you associate with, the things you talk about. Can you say that in that scenario, you are a holy person? Can you see that, that you are different? You know, there, there's, something, there's something to be said about someone that blends in so well with the world. Then all of a sudden, if he were to say, yeah, I'm a Christian, everyone would say, what? Really? You? I'll never forget, and I've probably used this. There was a time I was working at a mechanic shop. Well, I say a mechanic shop. It was, it was a Jiffy Lube. I was just a, I was a grease monkey, literally. I would come home covered in oil every day. And I, 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 was, I was working on this one car. I was up on top. I had the hood open. And, and I can't remember what I'd done. I probably burned my hand on a manifold or something. But, but anyhow, I, I remember I said something. And the bu my buddy of mine that was sitting next to me, he, he immediately turned to me and he accused me of swearing, which I didn't. By the way, false accusations. We talked about that this morning. You know, he looked at me and he said, man, you just said this. And the, the look on his face was just shock. He could not believe it, which he was wrong, but he couldn't believe what he thought he heard. And then two things occurred to me. Number one, he knew who I was, and he expected me to be different. That was something that every last one of those other guys said all day long, every day. But the fact that it came from this guy, he couldn't believe it. Now, I went and corrected him, explained to him really what happened, and, and you know, it was done after that. But point being, folks, they expect us to be different. And we, shouldn't, we shouldn't be able to blend in with the world. Folks, what about in your homes? If, if Jesus were to go into your home today, by the way, he is. <laughs> if the Lord were to, to find his way into your home and he were to see your home, would he be able to look at this home and say, man, this is a Christian home. You know, if any other person were to walk in off the street, would they be able to say, boy, this is... This is a godly home. I, I, can, I can see that these people are trying their best to be different. Or when he walk into that room and see that, that this house is exactly like any other house of any other person all across the world. Would, would, would he see that, that this Christian home is different? I'll never forget, there was a man named Byron Fox. And he's a guy that, that writes gospel music. He writes, 
hymns and choir music. He's a brilliant man. And I remember I heard him preach once. And, of course, he was talking about music. And he preached up and he said this. He was a big guy. had a flat top. Kind of an interesting looking guy to watch. It was fun to watch him preach. He stood there and he said, Hey, you know, Christian homes ought to have Christian music. Amen. And that's the way he said it. And I thought, you know, it's as simple as that sounds. That makes a lot of sense. You know, what was he talking about? Holiness. He was talking about being different. He's talking about being a person of God because we are God's children and we are to be set apart, to be different than the way that this world is. Folks, what would God see in our homes? By the way, what would God see in our churches? Which I think, folks, the Lord has blessed us. The Lord has given us a great church. But I think we even see today, we see churches that are missing out on what God wants them to be. And, and, and I think there comes a point when we can't even necessarily call them a church anymore. Folks, when, when churches, when people that come together and they gather together to worship God, and they take the things that God says and they just completely disregard them and throw them out the window, they have lost their holiness. Folks, and I'm not saying this next statement to be picking, or belittling, picking on or belittling anyone, but when there is a church right now in Colorado, when their pastor can take off his tie, put on a dress and some makeup, call himself a woman and still preach in their pulpit, they have lost their holiness. They have lost the thing that God would have them to be. Folks, we have got to see that we are not going to conform ourselves to this world. We are going to conform and fashion ourselves to God. And you know, we're going to stick out. We're going to be different. People might make fun of us. People might belittle us. With the way things are going now in this country, there may be a time where that's not very popular. There was a day not too very long ago where you had to have a, it wasn't in America, but you had to have a license issued to you by the state to be able to preach. There were a lot of men that said, no. A lot of preachers went to jail. Folks, that's something that, that really, with, with our climate, doesn't seem too far-fetched. You know? We're going to be different. We're not going to conform to this world's standards. We're going to be holy. And folks, I pray, and it's my prayer for all of us as individuals, for all, excuse me, for all of us in our homes, and for all of us here in that church, that when someone comes into Bible Baptist Church, it's not going to be like the world. They're going to say, boy, they come there to worship God. There's something different about those people. They, man, they, they look at God's word, and they actually believe it word for word what it says, and we will do that. We're going to preach the gospel and we're going to stand by it. The world can go their own way if they want. But we are going to fashion ourselves after holiness. Ladies and gentlemen, it is okay to be different. In fact, God commands us to be different. He commands us to be set apart. That just means I am going to do my very best to be exactly as God is. I'm going to think the way He does. I'm going to hope for the things the way he wants me to think. I'm going to, I'm going to act the way he does as much as I possibly can. And I'm going to forget about the things that this world is trying to push me and what, what the world would have me to be, who I used to be. Those things are gone. I'm going to fashion myself unto holiness. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if we could, let's have every head bowed and we'll have every eye closed. Now, I realize that a message like this, when we look at something out of God's Word when it comes to holiness, I believe that's something that will probably manifest itself differently in each person's life. And the reason I say that 
is because my former lusts before I was saved is probably going to be different than someone else's former lusts. There might be things I have to change about myself that other people might not have to change about themselves. But the point is this. It's not always what we're looking at that we need to change. The bottom line is, look at God. Look at the Holy One. Look at He who is holy, holy, holy. Then look at yourself and say, what do I need to do to be like Him? What do I need to do to be separate from this world and be like He is? Our God and our Father, we love You. I pray that You would help us understand this thing of holiness. Lord, may we be set apart. May we be different. Lord, I pray that people would see You in us. I pray that people would see You in our homes. I pray, Lord, that people would see You when they come to our church. Lord, I pray that everything about us would reflect You. And Lord, help us to be holy. Now, folks, with every head bowed and, and with every eye closed, this would just be simply our time where we, we have our time of invitation. If there's something maybe in your heart that you feel like that you need to do business between you and the Lord, this would be your time to do that with Him. Or, and so if you like to pray in your seat, and the altars also will be open. spoke to you very specifically about something this morning. Did the Holy Spirit tap you on the shoulder about something that, that He would say, hey, this is not the way I want you to be. I want you to be more like me. Get that right with the Lord today. make it our prayer that in every area of our life we will strive not just for goodness not just for what's acceptable but for what is holy Father, we thank you for bringing us to church this morning. Thank you for bringing us together into the house of God. And, and Lord, I ask that you would help us to, as we get ready to leave here, help us to strive for that holiness. Lord, I know that Satan certainly would have his will and his way, and sometimes we still do have those, those former lusts that the Scripture talked about. But I pray that you would help us and give us the strength to, to put away the former lusts and to strive for holiness, to be different as you are different. Lord, we love you. Now bless us as we, as we leave here and bring us back together safely to next time. And I pray that all the things that we do, we do for your honor and your glory. It's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.